Part One of One Day More, a play in one act by Joseph Conrad. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. One Day More, a play in one act by Joseph Conrad. Scene One, a small seaport. To right, two yellow brick cottages belonging to Captain Hagbird, one inhabited by himself, the other by the Carvilles. A lamp post in front, the red roofs of the town in the background, a sea wall to left. Time, the present early autumn, towards dusk. Scene 1. Curtain rises, disclosing Carville and Bessie moving away from sea wall. Bessie, about twenty-five. Black dress, black straw hat, a lot of mahogany-colored hair loosely done up, pale face, full figure, very quiet. Carville, blind, unwieldy, reddish whiskers, slow, deep voice produced without effort, immovable big face. Hanging heavily on Bessie's arm. Careful, go slow. Stops. Bessie waits patiently. Want your poor blind father to break his neck? Shuffles on. In a hurry to get home and start that everlasting yarn with that chum, the lunatic? I'm not in a hurry to get home, father. Well then, go steady with a poor blind man. Blind. Helpless. Strikes the ground with his stick. Never mind. I've had time to make enough money to have ham and eggs for breakfast every morning, thank God. And thank God, too, for it, girl. You haven't known a single hardship in all the days of your idle life. Unless you think that a blind, helpless father... What is there for me to be in a hurry for? What did you say? I said there is nothing for me to hurry home for. There is, though, to yarn with a lunatic. Anything to get away from your duty. Captain Hagbird's talk never hurts you or anybody else. Go on. Stick up for your only friend. Is it my fault that I haven't another soul to speak to? It's mine, perhaps? Can I help being blind? You fret because you want to be gadding about. With a helpless man left all alone at home. Your own father, too. I haven't been away from you half a day since Mother died. He's a lunatic, that landlord is. That's what he is. Has been for years. Long before those damn doctors destroyed my sight for me. <clears throat> Perhaps Captain Hagbert is not so mad as the town takes him for. Don't everybody know how he came here from the north to wait till his missing son turns up? Here, of all places in the world? His boy that ran away to sea sixteen years ago, and never did give a sign of life since? Don't I remember seeing people dodge around corners out of his way when he came along High Street? Seeing him, I tell you, hmm, he bothered everybody so with his silly talk of his son being sure to come back home. Next year, next spring, next month. What is it by this time, eh? Why talk about it? He bothers no one now. No, they've grown too fly. You've only got to pass a remark on his sailcloth coat to make him shut up. All the town knows it. But he's got you to listen to his crazy talk whenever he chooses. Don't I hear you two at it? Jabber, jabber, mumble, mumble. What is there so mad in keeping up hope? Not mad. Starving himself to lay money by? For that son? Filling his house with furniture he won't let anyone see? For that son? Advertising in the papers every week these sixteen years for that son. 
Not mad. Boy, he calls him. Boy Harry. His boy Harry. His lost boy Harry. Ah, let him lose his sight to know what real trouble means. And the boy, the man, I should say, must have been put away safe in Davy Jones' locker for many a year. Drowned. Food for fishes. Dead. Stands to reason, or he would have been here before, smelling around the old fool's money. Shakes Bessie's arm slightly. Eh? I don't know. Maybe. Damn if I don't know he ever had a son. Poor man. Perhaps he never had. Ain't that mad enough for you? But I suppose you think it's sensible. What does it matter? His talk keeps him up. Aye, and it pleases you. Anything to get away from your poor blind father. Jabber, jabber, mumble, mumble. Till I begin to think you must be as crazy as he. What do you find to talk about, you two? What's your game? During the scene, Carvel and Bessie have crossed stage from left to right, slowly with stoppages. It's warm. Will you sit out for a while? Yes, I will sit out. But what can be your game? What are you up to? They pass through the garden gate. Because if it's his money you are after... Father, how can you? Disregarding her. To make you independent of your poor blind father. Then you are a fool. Drops heavily on seat. He's too much of a miser to ever make a will, even if he weren't mad. Oh, it never entered my head. I swear, it never did. Never did? Eh, then you are a bigger fool. I want to go to sleep. Takes off his hat, drops it on ground, and leans his head back against the wall. And I have been a good daughter to you. Won't you say that for me? I want to go to sleep. I'm tired closes his eyes. During that scene, Captain Hagbert has been seen hesitating at the back of the stage, then running quickly to the door of his cottage. He puts inside a tin kettle from under his coat and comes down to the railing between the two gardens stealthily. End of scene one. Scene two. Carvel seated. Bessie. Captain Hagbert. White beard. Sailcloth jacket. Knitting. You've been out this afternoon for quite a long time, haven't you? Yes, my dear. Of course you saw me come back. Oh, yes, I did see you. You had something under your coat. It was only a kettle, my dear, a tin water kettle. I am glad I thought of it just in time. Winks, nods. When a husband gets back from his work, he needs a lot of water for a wash, see? Dignified. Not that Harry will ever need to do a hand's turn after he comes home. Falters, casts stealthy glances on all sides. Tomorrow? Looks up, grave. Captain Hagbert, have you ever thought that perhaps your son will not? I've thought of everything, my dear, of everything a reasonable young couple may need for housekeeping. Why, I can hardly turn about in my room up there. The house is that full. Rubs his hands with satisfaction. For my son Harry, when he comes home. One day more. Flattering. Oh, you are a great one for bargains. Captain Hagbird delighted. But, Captain Hagbird, if, if you don't know what may happen, if all that home you've got together were to be wasted for nothing after all, oh, I can't bring it out. Agitated. Flings arms up, stamps feet, stuttering. What? What do you mean? What's going to happen to the things? Nothing, nothing. Dust or moth, you know. Damp, perhaps. You never let anyone into the house. 
dust. Damn. <laughs> I light the fires and dust the things myself. Let anyone into the house, indeed. What would Harry say? Walks up and down his garden hastily with tosses, jings, and jerks of his whole body. Now then, Captain Hagbert, you know I won't put up with your tantrums. Shakes finger at him. Subdued, but still sulky, with his back to her. You want to see the things. That's what you're after. Well, no, not even you. Not till Harry has had his first look. Oh, no, I don't. Not till you're willing. Smiles at Captain H, who has turned half round already. You mustn't excite yourself. Knits. And you are the only sensible girl for miles and miles around. Can't you trust me? I'm a domestic man. Always was, my dear. I hated the sea. People don't know what they let their boys into when they send them to sea. As soon make convicts of them at once. What sort of life is it? Most of your time you don't know what's going on at home. There is nothing anywhere on earth as good as a home, my dear. With a good husband. Heard from his seat fragmentarily. There they go, jabber jabber, mumble mumble. Help us. Extravagant ham and eggs fellow. Of course, it isn't as if he had a son to make a home ready for. Girls are different, my dear. They don't run away, my dear, my dear. Drops her arms wearily. No, Captain Hagbert, they don't. I wouldn't let my own flesh and blood go to sea. Not I. And the boy ran away. Yes, my only son, Harry. Coming home tomorrow. Sometimes, Captain Hagbert, a hope turns out false. What's that got to do with Harry's coming back? It's good to hope for something, but suppose now... Feeling her way? Yours is not the only lost son that's never... Never what? You don't believe he's drowned? Crouches, glaring and grasping at the rails. Frightened, drops knitting. Captain Hagbert, don't. Catches hold of his shoulders over the railings. Don't, my God, he's going out of his mind. I didn't mean it. I, I don't know. Has backed away. An affected burst of laughter. <laughs> what nonsense. None of us hagbirds belong to the sea. All farmers for hundreds of years. Fraternal and cunning? Don't alarm yourself, my dear. The sea can't get us. Look at me. I didn't get drowned. Moreover, Harry isn't a sailor at all. And if he isn't a sailor, he's bound to come back. Tomorrow has been facing him, murmurs. No, I give it up. He scares me. Then I would give up that advertising in the papers. Surprised and puzzled. Why, my dear? Everybody does it. His poor mother and I have been advertising for years and years, but she was an impatient woman. She died. If your son's coming, as, as you say, what's the good of that expense? You had better spend that half-crown on yourself. I believe you don't eat enough. But it's the right thing to do. Look at the Sunday papers. Missing relatives on the top page. All proper. Looks unhappy. Oh well, I declare I don't know what you live on. Are you getting impatient, my dear? Don't get impatient, like my poor wife. If she'd only been impatient, she'd be here, waiting one day more. Don't be impatient, my dear. I've no patience with you sometimes flash of lucidity. Why? What's the matter? You're tired out, my dear. That's what it is. 
Yes, I am, day after day. Stands listless, arms hanging down. House dull? Yes. Hmm. Wash, cook, scrub, hey? Yes. Pointing stealthily at the sleeping Carville. Heavy? Like a millstone. A silence. Why don't that extravagant fellow get you a servant? I don't know. Wait till Harry comes home. He'll get you one. <laughs> Why, Captain Hagbert? Perhaps your son won't even want to look at me when he comes home. What? The boy wouldn't dare. Wouldn't dare refuse the only sensible girl for miles around. That stubborn jackanapes refuses to marry a girl like you. Walks about in a fury. You trust me, my dear, my dear, my dear. I'll make him. I'll, I'll cut him off with a shilling. Hush. You mustn't talk like that. What's this? More of your tantrums? No, no. This isn't my tantrums, when I don't feel quite well in my head. Only I can't stand this. I've grown as fond of you as if you'd been the wife of my Harry already. And to be told... Can't restrain himself. Jack and apes! Shh! Don't you worry. I must give that up too, I suppose. I didn't mean it, Captain Hagbird. It's as if I were to have two children tomorrow. My son Harry and the only sensible girl. Why, my dear, I couldn't get on without you. We two are reasonable together. The rest of the people in this town are crazy. The way they stare at you, and the grins. They're all on the grin. Makes me dislike to go out. It seems as if there was something wrong about... somewhere. My dear, is there anything wrong? You are sensible. No, no, Captain Hagbert. There is nothing wrong about you anywhere. Lying back. Okay. Bessie! Sits up. Get my hat, Bessie! Bessie, my hat! Bessie! Bessie! At the first sound, Bessie picks up and puts away her knitting. She walks towards him, picks up hat, puts it on his head. Bessie, my... Hat on head, shouting stops. Will you go in now? Help me up. Steady, I'm dizzy. It's a thundery weather. An autumn thunderstorm means a bad gale. Very fierce. And sudden. There will be shipwrecks tonight on our coast. Exit Bessie and Carville through door of their cottage. It has fallen dusk. Picks up spade. Extravagant fellow. And all this town is mad. Perfectly mad. I found them out years ago. Thank God they don't come this way, staring and grinning. I can't bear them. I'll never go again into that high street. Never. 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 Won't need to after tomorrow. Never. Flings down spade in passion. While Hagbert speaks, the bow window of the Carvilles is lit up, and Bessie is seen settling her father in a big armchair. Pulls down blind. Enter lamplighter. Captain H picks up the spade and leans forward on it with both hands, very still, watching him light the lamp. There, you will be able to dig by lamplight if the fancy takes you. Exit lamplighter to back. Ugh, the people here. Shudders. Heard loudly behind the cottages. Yes, that's the way. Enter Harry from back. End of scene two. Scene three. Harry Hagbert, 31, tall, broad shoulders, shaven face, small mustache, blue serge suit, coat open, gray flannel shirt without collar and tie, no waistcoat, belt with buckle, black soft felt hat, wide brimmed, 
worn crushed in the crown and a little on one side, good nature, reckless, some swagger in the bearing, assured, deliberate walk with a heavy tread, slight roll in the gait, walks down, stops, hands in pockets, looks about, speaks. This must be it. Can't see anything beyond. There's somebody. Walks up to Captain Hagbert's gate. Can you tell me? Manner changes. Leans elbow on gate. Why, you must be Captain Hagbert himself. In garden, both hands on spade, peering startled. Uh, yes, I am. You've been advertising in the papers for your son, I believe. Yes, my only boy, Harry. He's coming home tomorrow for a permanent stay. The devil he is. My word, you've grown a beard like Father Christmas himself. Go your way. Waves one hand loftily. What's that to you? Go your way. Go your way. There, there. I'm not trespassing in the street where I stand, am I? Tell you what, I fancy there's something wrong about your news. Suppose you let me come in for a quiet chat, you know, because I could give you some real information about your son, the very latest tip, if you care to hear. No, I don't care to hear. Begins pacing to and fro, spade on shoulder, gesticulating with his other arm. Here's a fellow, a grinning town fellow, who said there's something wrong. I've got more information than you're aware of. I have all the information I want. I've had it for years, for years, for years, enough to last me till tomorrow. Let you come in indeed. What would Harry say? Bessie Carvel appears at cottage door, with a white wrap on her head, and stands in her garden, trying to see. What's the matter? The information, fellow. Stumbles. Putting out arm to steady him, gravely. Here, steady a bit. Seems to me somebody's been trying to get at you. Hello, what's this rig you've got on? Storm canvas coat by George. <laughs> well, you are a character. I, I wear it for, for the time being. Till, till tomorrow. Shrinks away, spade in hand, to door of his cottage. And what may you want, sir? Turns to Bessie at once. Easy manner. I'd like to know about this swindle that's going to be sprung on him. I didn't mean to startle the old man. You see, on my way here, I dropped into a barber's to get a two-penny shave, and they told me there that he was something of a character. He has been a character all his life. What swindle? A grinning fellow. Makes a sudden dash indoors with the spade. Door slams. Affected gurgling laughter within. End of scenes one to three.